Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This is Carl McKinney, and this is the Sharkpreneur Podcast, and I co-host with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Today, we have a great interview lined up for you. We have Eric Wolf from Easttown. Is that, am I pronouncing that correct? Is it Easttown or Easttown? You know, I generally say Easttown, but I don't correct people who say Easttown. I'm I'm okay with it. Well, you're the CEO and founder, so it's Easttown. Fair enough. It, 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 it's, it's your show today, and uh, let's get started. So, Eric, tell me, um, I have a couple notes here I wanted to take a look at, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, the first question, let me ask you, how do you, specifically, how do you help business leaders improve the understanding of marketing? My company's in marketing a little bit, too. And, yeah. and it seems to be even the best of businessmen occasionally think, well, we just got to sell. Well, marketing is a part of or a precursor to being able to sell to people and how do you help business leaders improve the understanding of that? Well, so so first of all, what what we really try to, I would say the first and most important thing that we try to to do is is break a bad habit. Um, because typically, when people say, "Well, we're going to work on marketing and we're going to invest in marketing," a lot of times they've already got the next thing lined up it's it's you know so so we're hiring this seo agency and we're and we're going to redo the website um and by the way we're getting a billboard by the highway and so and so we just sort of jump to conclusions and jump to solutions on on things and that's a really really bad habit because it sets us up for disappointment on day one because if we don't choose the things that we're doing with a lot of intentionality the results are going to be similarly unintentional and probably unimpressive. And so, so the first thing that we do is, is we try to break that habit. We try to get people to slow down and we try to get them to think about their customer because at the end of the day, when no matter, no matter what it is that your business does or what it is that you sell, our what what ultimately drives our success is is our ability to connect with our customers and so and so adopting a market focus and and really connecting with your customers and understanding what they want and need and how your product and services or service is going to make their lives better solve their pain improve their career 
um all of those things every 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 purchase decision is an emotional decision and we try to get business yes. people to I totally agree with that. And I noticed you said something about getting them to slow down, which would yes. lend me lend towards a long-term growth strategy. So what, yes. what's your approach to building long-term growth with, for your clients? Um, so the first thing that, that, that you have to do is you have to know where you're going. Um, and, and to say, to say we're going to grow or we want to do this or we want, well, okay. Well, what is what is that success really? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to know when we got there? And so, the first thing that we typically do with with clients, and and there are you know a million different companies that will do a version of this in different fields in business consulting, but but you know what's what's that long term vision? Where does this company want to be? What's what's the moonshot vision for for what it is that um that we're doing and and how are we going to know when we get there is it you know we're going to grow 5x over the next seven years um so that we can be acquired by a bigger company and do xyz let's set those goals let's understand where it is that we want to go and let's um and let's make sure that that we know that we're going to know when we get there so that's number one number two is uh like i said connecting those goals with how we're going to connect them to the marketplace. So, so how do we connect our goals with the goals of the people we're trying to sell to? And then how the hell are we going to pay for it? Is a, is, 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 is a, is a topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but, but we talk about um, quite a bit. We, what we really look at is, um, is ways that businesses can attach where they can tether the success that they want, you know? And so, so if we're going to grow five X over the next seven years or whatever it is, um, you know, what, what are the next 12 to 18 months look like? How many new customers do I need? And what's it going to cost me to acquire those customers? Um, Because that's, that's really what, when people buy sales and marketing, that's really what they're buying. They're not buying the website. They're not buying, the um the trade show booth nobody cares about a trade show booth we're 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 spending money on those things because essentially what we want to do is we want to we want to buy more customers for ourselves and so how much is that is that going to cost us what does it cost us to acquire every new customer and then how many customers do we need to acquire to meet our revenue goals let's great, great stuff let's tie that so, all together one of the things that remains constant is that change happens so you lay out a plan and uh something happens and, and and you have a systemic approach and you're you're really going through the steps how do you adapt to change how do you work like mike tyson clients? says the plan goes out the window as soon as you get punched there, in the face there you go um yeah changes change is constant and changes is one of the things that we absolutely cannot avoid and so one of the things that that we preach to our clients and one of the things that we work on with folks is is understanding you know if i've got all of these items that we're working on in our in our sales and marketing strategy what we need to be able to do on a weekly and monthly basis is is take an honest look at everything and 
understand, you know, look, if, if we feel that something is not doing well, we need to, we need to assess it and we need to make changes. Um, but most importantly, and, and, and I'm, uh, problems happen when people get too reactive, when, when, you know, you start the AdWords campaign, you're a week and a half in, and it's like, oh my God, we haven't gotten any conversions on this AdWords campaign. What the hell are we going to do? For um, what we try to encourage people to do is, okay, well, let's let's not be reactive. Let's not cancel anything. Let's not erase the board, but let's keep an eye on it. Right. And then as we're keeping an eye on that initiative and we're looking at the things that are working and the things that are that aren't working, more importantly than deciding, hey, this hasn't been working the way that we want it to. Well, let's actually take a step back and let's see if we can't figure out why it isn't working. Where, where in this process did we make a bad assumption about what was going to happen? Did we set a bad goal? Did we, um, did we underspend? on on this advertising did did we need to did we miscalculate what it was going to take to reach our goals did we make a bad assumption about what the customer is looking for and what's going to be important to them have we made an offer that's compelling have we have we have we designed the landing page in a way that's going to to resonate with that with that customer and so so really going back and picking up the breadcrumbs kind of like Hansel and Gretel and figuring out, Hey, where, where, where did we make a wrong turn? And what should we actually try to adjust if we want to try to salvage this? Because all too often with that sort of reactive lizard brain, we get scared. And then we decide, okay, well, AdWords doesn't work. And that's not necessarily true. A lot of times it's, it's just the way that we did the AdWords campaign or the way that we did the direct mail campaign or, or whatever it is that caused the problem. And, and generally it's because, you know, not because there, there's much wrong with the initiative, but, but maybe our expectations were wrong. Maybe we made a bad assumption. Maybe we, um, maybe we didn't do our homework about how we should actually structure this campaign in order to make gotcha. it work. Gotcha. I want to mention that you have an award-winning team. And you, and you touched on <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on that. And um, you. You know, it, it's a uh, success comes from the top. So you're, you're leading the right way. And so, you know, you, you've, you've had success there. You've connected with varying markets, different uh, clients and wherever they are in their, their stages of business. Can you share some ex successful examples of revenue growth that uh, I will um, yes, not being really specific. I will. I will share a um, an example of of revenue growth. Um, we had a client uh, who, um, and they were they were recently acquired, um, and and we are um, uh, and we're not going to be working with the new bigger company. We've determined, which is okay. But um, but we had this client for about ten years. And an IT company based here in Denver, um, great team, great company. And we had put, they'd never done any real marketing before. They had a really terrific salesperson um, who was doing a fantastic job of, of being a sales leader. And 
And so we came on to, to help him build his pipeline and drive more revenue and, and took us about two, three years. And, and we had, we had about doubled that, that business. And what happened to this particular IT company is that um, uh, around the 2016 presidential election, they ended up in the news because they were the company that was in possession of a very famous email server. Uh, okay. And, um, and okay. it was a, it was a very interesting case study for, um, for what can happen in, in, in a public relations disaster. Um, but the, the really terrific thing was, was that everything that we had put in place in the three years that we were working with them prior, um, helped them survive that. And, and their revenue did, um, did about half, um, during that time, the, the business, very nearly didn't make it, um, but they did make it. And within a year and a half or so, two years, they were back to where they were before they were, um, before they found themselves in the news. And um, and when they sold, they had doubled again after that. Wow. So so it, it it's they're a case study and, and the thing that I really love about that story is not just the fact that they survived and thrived after being um in a very uncomfortable national spotlight. Imagine <laughs> no sound here. But it's um, but it's but it showed the value of blocking and tackling and 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 building equity in, in your marketplace and doing the right things and and staying patient and resolute. Um, and, and, when, and my apologies for the background noise. I just took care of it. I apologize. Oh, no worries. Do, do, so, we have to, do we have to rough anybody up? Is, is, no, is it okay? no, no. We're, we're good. They, they understand. <laughs> um, yeah, and I have an Aaron Judge Ball to show you at, at the end of the interview oh. here. How do you... Uh, I, I, <laughs> I digress. Now, it sounds like you guys take great steps in ensuring some lasting and some measurable ROI, even in the face of some disasters, if you hadn't have laid, laid a great foundation, of course, you know, things would have fallen through. Um, yes. I'm not sure you're giving yourself enough, your team enough credit for coming through on our, that. Our story. team, like in, in, in this business, I mean, all, everything that we do and, and people focus on the stuff, people focus on websites and software and, 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 and at the end of the day, it's, it's people. And, and, and I do like to think that it's the fact that we have incredible people that has, um, that has made us successful. And, and this year, um, this upcoming year, 2024, our business turns 18, um, you know, old enough to vote, can drive unaccompanied. Um, and, and we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here for that if not for the fact that, that we've, um, that we've hired and and retained, uh, for the most part, really great people over the years. So yes, our, our team is fantastic. Great stuff. Now you mentioned eighteen years. Take me through those eighteen years and walk me through some significant changes you've seen in the marketing industry over those eighteen years. And 
and give me some foresight. Tell me what you look, what do you see coming five, six, seven years down the pipe? Oh boy. Um, so it, I started the business in 2006 and, and I, and I had this, and I had this crazy idea that, that I was going to work with small and mid-sized businesses. Um, and, and, and it's very unpopular in the agency world to, to try to do that. Everybody, um, and I, I was, uh, when I started the business, I was living in Atlanta. And if you were an agency in Atlanta, you wanted to work with Coca-Cola, you wanted to work with Delta Airlines, you wanted to work work with Turner. And, um, and, and I was like, nah, we're, we're good. Well, Well, let's, 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 let's work with, with some smaller companies, some companies that don't have really great representation that don't have great direction. And it was a really interesting time because in 2006, for a lot of those businesses, um, and we still work with, with, you know, not necessarily small businesses, but I would say overlooked businesses, you know, folks that are in industries that people don't really talk about much. We, um, you know, in 2006, we were, we were building the first websites that a lot of these companies ever had in 2006, um, any email marketing that we did was almost certainly the company's first foray into email marketing. Um, you know, the, the real evolution of search engine optimization happened during that time. Um, the true birth of social media happened during that time. Um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, um, all of those platforms, you know, Instagram wasn't even a, a glimmer in somebody's eye at that point. We were, you know, so, so we have in essence grown up with the modern version of marketing. And so, and, and what we've seen in, in this modern version of stuff is that, you know, the world changed so quickly. Um, you know, we went within about a year from virtually nobody. If you walked into a room full of business people and and said, hey, hey, folks, raise your hand if you've got an SEO strategy. You know, the first question would have been, what's SEO? Right. <laughs> and, and And then, you know, there would have been probably very few hands in the room. You know, now, um, I mean, even within a year or two from that point, you could have taken the same poll and everybody would have had a search engine strategy and everybody would be thinking about Google and everybody was was thinking about how we use this to get ahead. And we sort of created this um, this this very fast moving, very innovative culture of all of these new things, created a lot of sort of magic bullets and people sort of said, you know, okay, well, you know, all I need to do is is start working on this SEO stuff and then everything is going to go great. Or all I need to do is is get um is get HubSpot. My marketing's going to be automated. <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. And and we kind of created all this stuff, social media, everything was this was this idea that man, if there's there's this one thing out there that's going to change my world. And it turns out that for none of us, is there one thing out there that's really going to change our world? Um, it's not it's not going to happen just like anything else. You need a portfolio of of good solid work in order to 
to have predictable long-term kinds of gains. And so, so what we've seen finally, I think is sort of a return to fundamentals, um, the idea of unified marketing communications that we can't just say our strategy for growth is search engine optimization or our strategy for growth is, is social media. We're, we're going back to saying, okay, there isn't one thing that's going to make everything work for us. We've, we've got to actually have this integrated marketing plan. And so, and so that's coming back. And I, and I think that we're still in the relatively early stages of that. I think that we're going to hear a lot more about integrated marketing communications in years to come in a way that we haven't probably for a decade or more. And then the other thing that I think is going to, to happen is that we're going to see a couple of trends, you know, sort of, and I, and I don't know exactly which way it's all going to shake out, but there are a couple of things that are happening right now that, that we're going to see sort of solidified to something in the next few years. Um, the first one is privacy mm. um, in, in this, in this country, especially, um, we, yeah, our, our internet advertising has been sort of like the wild west and, and there's been very little privacy for, for the customers. And, and now we've seen, um, uh, GDPR in Europe, we've seen the California privacy laws. And I think that, that finally in this country, we're going to end up with some sort of best practice regarding privacy we're we're probably going to see the death of cookies and a lot of the other technology that that's that's going on there and i think that that customers are going to have more control but what that means for marketers is that where we we had this like sort of golden decade of being able to see everything and having this this incredible window on to what our customers were doing the, the the shades are going to be drawn a little bit and we're not going to be able to see as much as we used to. And this then the second thing, of course, is AI. Um we're 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 just at the beginning of of readily available generative AI and it's going to have an impact on how we market and how companies interact with their customers. It already is having an impact. But that's going to mature something over over the next few years. And, and we're going to have, you know, just like with everything else where, you know, we've, we've developed with every other kind of marketing and other marketing tools, email, for example. There are things that we're allowed to do with email and that we're not allowed to do. There are things that we're allowed to do, but are generally considered bad ideas. There are, um, and there are things that we just don't do under any circumstances. And, and, and I think that we're going to see that sort of thing happen with AI, where we're going to have generally accepted practices for it. And I think our awareness of, of things that are being generated by robots is going to be different as well. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And now you've talked about a lot of changes, a lot of things that, you know, have moved forward altered and morphed um tell me the one major consistent challenge that's kind of in that uh that ribbon throughout 
the biggest the biggest challenge and and tools don't change it you know technology doesn't change it um the biggest challenge that business owners have in marketing is their own lack of objectivity um the idea that that we're our own worst enemy when we're business owners is um is, is absolutely true in in a big way when it comes to marketing because you know look i i i didn't you know i i started my business because you know i was passionate about delivering certain things to my marketplace um and and most people who start businesses or or um or buy businesses or that they're similar similar concept we you know we're generally in a lot of a lot of us are passionate about what we do and and the craftsmanship and all of those things however um the things that i am passionate about as a business owner and the things that my customers need and the things that are driving their purchase decisions are very often different and it's really easy to hook your marketing into the parts of the business that you're interested in versus the parts of the business that are going to make your customers most interested in buying. Um, I'll tell you a super quick story. Um, we had a, uh, a client in the telephone expense management industry, um, overlooked clients, um, low overlooked industries, and and they had this and and so so the principle of the industry is that telecom is complicated um businesses get bills for things and especially think think if you're a say a doctor's office and you've got um and you've got six different locations they're all in different counties we've got different taxes we've got all of these other codes for charges which are right which are wrong what are we paying for it's complicated and so, um, and so this, this company came in and they said, well, Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say that if you contract with us to do your telecom expense management, um, we're going to guarantee you a savings of 10% or something like that in the first year. And if we don't manage to save you at least 10% off of your telecom bills in the first year, then we're going to work for free until we until we do that. And they and this was the message they went to market with. They were they were excited about it. Nobody else is doing this. And so we were going to be working on their branding and their messaging and so we set up uh we set up interviews with a lot of their customers. We we interviewed people who were customers, people who were longtime customers, people who were new customers, people who they tried to sell to and and didn't get the deal. And so we talked to all these people and there was a common thread, which was strangely enough that none of them actually cared about the flat discount. It wasn't the cost savings that was really their pain point or the fact that telecom was expensive. That was their pain point. The real pain point that turns out was the fact that they had employees that were spending an extraordinary amount of hours trying to weed through this time savings was more important than money savings 
And that's the message that that was going to matter. And so we we get we get lost in those things as business owners and we get lost in those details. And for for a lot of us, just being able to to kind of open our eyes and and see what's really there is is probably the the biggest, you know, sort of the the biggest cheat code in marketing. It's the easiest way to figure out what you're what you're doing wrong. You know, you you mentioned 18 years ago, you started the business and uh, you just gave an example of a challenge and kind of getting understanding of what's important to your client. So you you help them go through a myriad of decisions, budgeting, measuring success, general decision making, setting priorities and, you know, what's what comes first and what's important. So with all of that today, what still motivates you to get out of bed and help some of us uh, less fortunate business owners Right, our ship. I, I, well, I, um, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I don't have any superpowers because, because I'm, I'm in the business. It turns out I do the same stupid stuff that everybody else does. Um, and, and I've got to be talked out of it by my team. But, um, but yeah, the, 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 the thing that, that really motivates me personally is is the part where i get where i get to work with people and i get to show them something about their own business that they didn't know before and that's and that's something that i that i personally really enjoy um there are other parts of the job that that i know appeal to to other folks that um that work with me but but for me it's it's that part of of being a Sherpa guide teacher, um, you know, somebody that can show you the things that you're missing. Cool. Now, given all your success, Eric, uh, what's what's the biggest challenge that you guys face uh, today? Um, honestly, the um, the thing that's that's always most difficult and and it's difficult for a lot of companies and it's certainly difficult for us you know all of these changes in in the world it's it, it it's amazing how how the world seems to always get bigger and smaller at the same time and so so just like a lot of companies i mean understanding how to best focus our time and energy and and what of those things as 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 marketing evolves, as businesses evolve, as as new business categories that never existed before come into being, what are what what's what's the highest value that that we can deliver, and what are the things that we should be saying yes to? What are the things that we should be saying no to? Um, I think a lot of business owners struggle with that, and, and certainly we're no different. Cool. Great answer. Now, Eric, you tell my audience. Uh where they can find you how, how do they get in touch with you and, uh, and um, learn more about what you do well excellent i would i would um i would love to to talk to people um you can find me on linkedin um just um i'm just slash eric wolf uh e-r-i-k-w-o-o-l-f our um our website is astound.com e-s-t-o-u-n-d and um, and you can buy my book, The Unified Marketing System, on Amazon. 
Do you, do you have a copy of the book there? You want to hold it up for us? Thank you. Here we have it. Every oh, you you're ready for the Price is Right. That was perfect. <laughs> that that that's right. Um, and 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 the correct answer would be forty nine ninety five without going over. Um, okay. so with our Price is Right, but I love it. But it. yeah, um, all of like our whole process is in that book. And so anybody that's interested in seeing how how we approach marketing problems, it's step by step. That's super information. And I'd like my audience to re to recognize that uh, Eric's team is an award winning team. They do a fantastic job and, um, you know, reach out to him and I'm sure he'll take very good care of you. Uh, I really enjoyed this uh, 30, 35 minutes or so with Eric today. It's Eric Wolf. Chairman and founder of Astound uh, from Denver, Colorado. And guys, this is Carl McKinney, co-hosting with Seth Green and Kevin Harrington. And uh, we'll, we'll see you the next time. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for having me. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.